Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 22 of the two-in-one golf podcast. Madison and Sterling here. Monday night, November 14th, after a, an insane weekend of sports. We had football. We had golf. We also had a little bit of F1 action. They have one more race this year. And that's where I want to start this episode. I want to talk about F1. First, I want to say congratulations to the Silver Arrows. Finishing one, two. I know. Go ahead. What do you got? No, not a not a huge Mercedes fan, but I do want to congratulate George Russell on his first win. He should have won when he was in the fill-in role. Um, but uh definitely congratulations on his first win. I do think he's a great driver. Don't get me wrong. Um, just haven't hasn't had the best luck with the cars this year, as other teams have not either. But congratulations on his first win as an F1 driver. Yeah, so I'm a pretty big Lewis Hamilton fan. Um but yeah, I want to say uh, congratulations to to Mr. Russell as well. Um, pretty pretty big for Team Mercedes just because I don't know they got dominated the whole year pretty much by uh, Red Bull and and uh, Max Verstappen, which I know is used to be your favorite driver. I don't know if he still is. Let's talk about that a little bit. So Max Verstappen this weekend he finished sixth. Sixth. Yep. Checo his teammate i'm said partner his teammate finished seventh yep now since max finished sixth checo finished seventh now leclerc and checo are tied for second place in the driver's championship yep red bull asked max to let checo pass so he could have a two-point lead heading into the final race mm-hmm. and what did your favorite driver do <laughs> well yeah, he just he basically ignored him. I and we don't we don't know if anyone listened to it. Um, he does get it on the radio with the engineer, and they're going back and forth. And he says he already told them that he wasn't going to do it. I, I didn't hear that part. Maybe that was a conversation off air. Um, but yeah, he just said he wasn't going to do it, and it it didn't really matter. And this is where I guess I, I I don't understand, and it does become a little frustrating, right? Because Formula One, while it is a very singular sport right you're you're your own person out there you're trying to win there's only one driver's champion there's also a team aspect of it as well and um you're in sixth place right you've already locked up the driver's championship no one can take that away from you so by letting Checo pass and getting that extra two points i don't think was that big of a deal i don't know if he was just frustrated from the race already did have some contact with lewis hamilton no shocker there um but it, it just I don't know. It just seemed like such an easy thing to do. And he went against team orders, any other team. I definitely think there would be some sort of reprimand for that. Um, I mean, everyone's pretty much familiar with the Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton, uh, Valtteri kind of pecking order. Um, Valtteri definitely had to yield very, very frequently, um, getting Lewis Hamilton around, making sure that he was able to secure those points and he did it. So, um, it'd be interesting to see what, what comes out of it, but definitely not a, not a good look for Max. Yeah. So, so two things I want to touch on here. Um, have you seen, I, I do think this happened a couple weeks ago where Max said, if there's an opportunity where you guys want me to let him pass in order for points, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Have you seen the clip from Monaco? Um, I have not. I'm sure it's recirculating, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. So Checo is on pole. Right uh-huh. in the last qualifying session, Max is on an absolute flyer of a lap. Checo's in front of him. 
Checo spins out. They're it saying goes yellow. Yeah. It goes caution yep. into the session. And Monaco is a very tough track to pass. So if you're on pole, you're most likely going to win. And I think people are saying that since, you know, Checo did that at Monaco, Max has a little bit of uh, hatred towards him for that. So, like, he's just not going to let him pass. Um, I also think there's only two drivers in F1 that can disobey team orders and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like, from their team and not, like, get let go, fire, whatever they do. Yep. Um, and it's Max Verstappen and Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Yep. And that's it. And, I mean, it shows you what kind of power he has because there's not even – there's no talks about him getting dropped or anything. Like, he's he is the best driver in F1 right now, currently. Um, but, yeah, not – I guess uh, his, he's got some poor morals, I guess. Well, um, I think it just kind of it, – it really – I think – I don't know, at least right now, it seems to kind of overshadow what he's done this year, which was a phenomenal season, right? I mean, to lock up a driver's championship as early as he did, um, was it 14 wins? I think we talked about it before. Mm -hmm. Set a record for most wins in one season. And then to kind of go out like that, I mean, only two races left in the season, and that's kind of the way that you act. Uh, I don't know, just not a good look. And I think there's some people that might have been more – just kind of like convenient fans, Max, first happen, right? You're not too familiar with the sport. You're just coming into it. Who do you normally go for? You go for the most popular driver, the the one, the household name that everyone kind of talks about. And I think that could turn some of those people off uh, for him. So I don't know. It's it's just not a good look. But like you said, there's two people that can get away with it, and he's one of them. So um, I, don't, I don't know what the the next race will look like. Hopefully, Checo will be able to lock it up, and they can go um, – you know, one, two and secure. I think they already secured the um, constructor they're, series already, but if uh, secured everything, they've yeah. won everything. The only thing they can do now is like Checo can finish two. Max has already won. Yeah. So hopefully he's able to do that. I don't, it, it's crazy to think when you, when you hear it, you're like two points, is that really going to make a difference? But two points can be huge in formula one. So um, it's it, definitely going to be an interesting last race of the season for sure. Yeah. We'll definitely, uh, be watching and we'll give you guys an update uh they do head to um abu dhabi next i believe that's in two weeks maybe mm-hmm. um for their final race of the season and they will have drive to survive on netflix the following season i think they're gonna have it i think it comes out in um like february or march so all this drama is gonna unfold hopefully and in, in drive to survive um speaking of drive to survive the golf counterpart to that would be the uh, the golf Netflix series. Yep. And uh, is there any word on that? I feel like they talked about it earlier in the year. Then Liv kind of took over. And I feel like we haven't heard from it since. So it's the same creators uh, behind Drive to Survive. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it may be coming out soon. I know that they said that I, I think it was a lot more um, – a lot more content this year than they ever were expecting. They were expecting to kind of give people a really deep dive into the lives of some of the players and everything. But then when live happened, it just kind of spiraled out from there. So there's so much that they can show and talk about. So I don't know if they've officially given word of a a date when that's going to be released, but it's going to be, it's going to be explosive. So I can't wait to see it. 
Yeah, it's gonna be must watch. Uh, do you still call it must must watch TV if it's on Netflix? I, I mean, I don't see why you don't. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking, um, I do want to get this in. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, it's been on Twitter and Instagram. Apparently, something has happened between Pat Perez and Phil Mickelson. Have you seen that? I have not. Please okay. inform me. Okay, so there was an interview done, and Pat Perez is staying very quiet on the situation, but basically um, has said that Phil Mickelson um, has crossed a line with him or with someone close to Pat Perez. Um, He says he knows what he's done, and Pat Perez will not forgive him, and it's just kind of that's, that's where it is right now. So not really sure what that could mean. But you got to imagine, um, you know, when you're one of 48 guys that are kind of, I don't want to say the outcast of the PGA Tour, but you're all kind of grouped together right now. They're, they're, they're kind of leaning on each other to go through this whole thing. To have any type, type of riffle, or riffle, any type of ripple in that, um, in that group could be, could be something huge. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. I just, it's going to be interesting because, what we've seen from live so far is even if the players lose, right. They still have a smile on their face. They're still high five and saying, congratulations. Um, they all appear to be like one big team over there for live. I guess you have to be when you're going up against the PGA tour. Um, but yeah, that's super interesting there. Keep us informed. Um, but going back to the PGA tour, Tony Finau picks up his, I believe his third win in the calendar year um where did he win again madison um cadence talked about that. he won the, the cadence bank cadence. houston open this past week thank you i got a question for you yeah the presenting sponsors of some of these tournaments mm-hmm. where do you rank this one um, where do you the cadence bank houston open Look, I I was always a big fan of the Shell Houston Open. I've I've played the course, and when you when you get on eighteen T, and there's that big Shell logo behind you, surrounded by the flowers, it's kind of cool, right? So, I know that when I guess Shell dropped out or or whatever, and they were kind of scrambling and looking in the first couple years afterwards, it, it was just kind of like a, um. I don't know, just like a big group of, of random sponsors. And I think they, I don't know what they were calling it at that point, but I do know even the Houston Astros, I think were pitching in, but yeah, I just, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. If, yeah. um, if that's, if that's kind of what you're getting at. So not a, not a huge fan of it. Um, but you know, it's, it's not a elite level event, right? So I guess, you know, you're not expecting too much from it. Uh, was so not an elite level event. Tony Finau wins. Yeah. Third time. Another mm-hmm. non elite level event. Would you agree? No, he won um, the 3M, which it wasn't 3M the first stop. Let me think. Oh, let me go back to this. 3M was not the first stop of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Okay. The 3M, he went up against oh, the 3M. I want to say that was the weaker, uh, the weaker field out of the two the detroit one the rocket mortgage is when he went up against cantley i think in the 3m he went up against nobody <laughs> i think there was no one in that field i stack guy madison is is, is, on, is on the phone right now looking it up 
Um, yeah, I don't know who was in that field, honestly. But a couple of big names in this field at the Houston Open. We had Scotty Scheffler, who finished six under T9. Uh, Justin Rose, not really a big name anymore, but I like him. Also finished T9. Uh, Jason Day, again, kind of has been there. Uh, no disrespect. Uh, Sahith Gala was in the field. Um, of course, I just got an ad. Who else? Any other notables in the field this week? I, I don't know. I didn't scroll down that far. Um, but I think when I, I guess, and I've kind of seen it circulate a little bit. So Tony Fina is, is doing very well. It's playing very well. It's three wins in the last seven starts for him. Um, but do you, and this is kind of what we were talking about. Do you hold these events kind of in the same, like does a win here mean as much as a win at one of his elite level events, or is this just kind of, you know, it's, it's early season. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of guys who've have some extra corn fairy uh, privileges to play a couple starts on the PJ tour. Some guys that are in the, you know, kind of the bottom of the the pecking order on the PJ tour. And you're not necessarily seeing the big names, even though we do have Scotty Scheffler, you know, in the field, do you kind of hold these, these wins in the same regard as some of the others? Uh, I do not. And it's not even close, honestly. Um, when I see that Tony Finau has won this kind of tournament, I'm just like, all right, good for him. He should, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, these are the tournaments you're supposed to, you know, get done. Um, so when Tony continues to win these lower level events, I mean, congratulations. Good for him. I mean, he's making millions of dollars. He's racking up FedEx Cup points and um, climbing the world rankings. I think he's in 12th now in the world. Um, congratulations. But I don't know. We, we need we need him to take a WGC, a players, a Bay Hill. We need to see him take that kind of step. For me to be, um, I guess, I don't know, happy. Impressed. Imp- yeah, thank you. Yeah. Impressed. Yeah, I think, you know, at least for for some of these, it it could be kind of like a, a springboard. These events, you know, you're kind of getting in the groove for the year, right? You're you're checking some things. It may be not as, not as much pressure because you know you're, you're probably a better player than most of the field anyways. Um, so if anything... I think maybe these wins and him kind of stacking these wins could give him the confidence to show up in the majors, right. To make a, make a decent run. Cause I think his best major finish was um, the masters, the year that he almost broke his ankle at the par three contest. I think he finished like T five or something that year. I have to double check that, but I think, you know, kind of like you said, it's not too impressive. These, these wins, but um, if it leads to bigger things, then, I'm all for him getting the confidence here. No, I agree. Uh, moving on. I know you want to talk about the LPGA tour a little bit. Um, Nelly Corda is, yeah. Is that your favorite out of the two sisters? Yeah. I like N- Nelly's got just the smoothest swing for sure. Um, but yeah, back to world number one, back where she belongs. I think needs to be, yeah. um, didn't last long for the 19 year old uh titical um i think i got that right right i think you did too pretty close right just you know roll up the tongue um yeah didn't hold the spot for too long but yeah nelly's back she defeated lexi thompson 
Um, Lexi, I think, went – I can't remember who was in the lead, um, but I know Lexi had the lead at one point. Nelly was, like, three back. Um, and then, yeah, close it coming down the stretch. Um, Lexi Thompson uh, continues to struggle coming down, closing out tournaments. Um, well, we talked about that with Tony Finau, too. We were just talking about that before we, we started recording. So, um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes is... it's, it's just the pressure coming down coming down the stretch. They, you know, they, they play great on the front nine and the back nine. It's just, I don't know if the anxiety gets to them or, or what, but they definitely can, can give a tournament away. That's for sure. Yeah. And I wonder like, what do they do about that? Cause you can't say like, Oh, they just need more experience. Right. Cause they've had plenty of it. So like, what is it going to take? I mean, I know a lot of the, the players out there now all have some sort of sports psychologists on their, their team, um, their roster of people. So that's the only thing I can imagine because they clearly have the game. They have the experience. So the only thing that could really be going wrong is, is more of the mental side of the game because they've played the course for three rounds already. This is the you know the fourth time playing this course other than the pin position and potentially some weather. It's not changing too much. So as long as you can stay laser focused, you should be able to close the tournament out. But it seems that on the back nine things just, it, it seems like it's almost a different person playing than's played the other, uh, the other three rounds. So. Uh, maybe just a mental thing. Yeah, I agree. A mental coach could uh could help. Maybe I need one too. Um, to continue to roll through the tours here, we'll move on to the Champions Tour. Uh, Steve Alker wins the Senior Tour Championship, like the overall. Um, what do they, what do they call it's their the Charles Schwab Cup? I don't know. Like when I start talking about it, I can't think of it. But there you go, Madison's on it. Um. So Padraig Harrington just lit the course up this weekend. Uh, he won the tournament. Steve Elker wins the cup. Um, Steve Elker won in Richmond when the tournament was here not too long ago when Madison and I were there. Um, but anything to say on the on the Champions Tour? No, I mean, he was definitely the the best player this year. Um, everyone was kind of saying it was going to be tough to catch him. Uh, so I, I think... Congrats to him. They they posted something on Champions Tour uh, Instagram. So in 2010, he was playing on the Corn Ferry Tour and missed 21 straight cuts. And I don't know that his his PJ Tour career really kind of went anywhere. So I'm sure being on the Champions Tour, finding some success this year because he really did just go out and take it this year. It wasn't like it was it was really coming down to any anyone close other than Podrick. And I think Podrick would have to just go out and straight win. But um. Definitely congrats to him. I will say the trophy. There's a video circulating that he went to the bar afterwards to chug beer out of it. The trophy is not very conducive to that. So maybe they want to rethink that one. It's got a bunch of holes and like slits all up the side. So it was just spilling everywhere. So maybe come up with a better trophy next year. That would be my my only takeaway. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to um, chug out of it, right? If people, if that's going to be the expectation, just, just figure out a way to do it better. Sure. It's kind of interesting, just the 50-year-old guys that's going into a bar and hey. pouring, pouring beer into a trophy and just <laughs> chugging it. It's exciting um, stuff. Yeah, for you, yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> again, continue to roll on through the tours, the DP World Tour. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood picked up his first win in three years. Um, I think he started like two or three back 
uh, to begin the tournament and, you know, went out there, lit it up, low round in the 60s. Um, so is, is Tommy Fleetwood, it's like, is he back? Was he ever really here? Did he ever arrive? He's never won on U.S. soil, a PJ Tour tournament on U.S. soil. He has won, yeah. uh, I'm sure he's won a right, wait, hang he on never a won a Ryder Cup. No, they, he hasn't. This is a, that was his second year, wasn't it? They won in France when it was him and Molinari. Yeah. COVID. Came to Whistling Straits. Got crushed. I think he's only played in two Ryder Cups. So maybe, no, he hasn't won. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Tommy Fleetwood, I, I think Tommy Fleetwood's a phenomenal player. Um, that Ryder Cup with him and, and uh, Frankie, that was unreal the way they both played just their game just just really melded like really well together so happy to see him win i still we talk about you know big wins i still don't don't see that translate i mean i think to really be i mean if he's even said it before to really kind of be held a little bit higher getting that win on u.s soil getting that win against the top talent over here, I think would be would be great for his career. But still, I mean, what a player, and definitely glad to see him him win again. I can't believe it's been three years, but um, yeah, it's crazy. Such a good ball striker. I mean, he really is. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, shout out to Min Woo Lee. He played this week. He finished T eighth. Uh, okay. Shot five under total, three under on the final round. Um, continuing to grind away um, at these DP World Tour events in the fall. Um, they're headed to the Tour Championship, the DP World Tour Championship next week. Uh, who you got? Who you put your money on? Couldn't tell you. Not men yeah. Wu. Not men Wu. Why not? I mean, I could I could give it to him. He's just he, men Wu lately has been very inconsistent. Yeah, so. I don't. I I agree. I don't think he's gonna win. Um, I just really hope he shows up plays well and improves on his world ranking because yeah i would love to see him playing back on the tour that that would be obviously the ultimate the ultimate goal so as long as he keeps plugging away and gets that world ranking up for sure so i want to read the i'll read the top five okay. top five of the current dp world tour rankings and then i'll let you pick from there right all right so number one we have rory mcelroy all right thought you were gonna say that uh number two oh. ryan fox Number three, the U.S. Open champion, who's a real who's a real fan of him. Uh, number four, Tommy Fleetwood. Number five, Victor Hovland. They're all playing in. The, are you saying they're all playing in the Tour Championship? I don't know, but I would assume so, right? I mean, you're in the top five. You have millions of dollars on the line, millions of dollars. So who, yeah. who you got? Um, I mean, I'd want to say. Rory I don't know I've been hearing a lot about Ryan Fox I've heard the dude absolutely demolishes the ball finished runner-up uh last week or this past week to Tommy Fleetwood mm-hmm. yeah um I, I mean I may may put my money on him interesting yeah I just I mean I don't know if he's won uh, I couldn't tell you if he has one I'm, sh- I'm assuming he has if he's second um but going up against Rory and those other big stars it's gonna be tough for him um Min Woo Lee I'm assuming we'll play. He's 34th in the rankings. Um, doesn't really have a shot, but again, really hope he plays well. Top five finish, get that world ranking up. 
that would be huge. Hopefully we see him back on the PGA Tour at some point uh, next year. Definitely. Yeah, and also the other thing, too, is I always think that the underdogs have, you know, they have a lot less to lose. Whenever you're the top guy going into it, we talked about it. There's a lot of, you know, media obligations. You're having to do do more, sign more autographs, household name kind of thing. So sometimes someone like that that doesn't have all that pressure can easily sneak one up on you. So, yeah, so we'll see. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on it next week. Thanksgiving is coming up soon. Uh, I want to real quick before we uh, we wrap up part one here. I want to say you're looking great with your your button up plaid hair slicked back to the side. Madison is on a work trip right now. The traveling master. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I get a quick travel tip from you? What's your <laughs> What's your number one tip when traveling? Oh, I don't know. Um, I feel like I've got so many at this point. Um, Maybe like a secret one that people wouldn't know, but you know. Um, I mean the the one that I always always use is um, if you ever go in the closet of the the hotel room there's always a bag hanging from a hanger, right? And there's no, that's a very nondescript. No one really knows what it's for. And for the longest time, I didn't know it was for either. So that's actually a laundry bag. So anytime you're traveling, the easiest way to do, you know, pack your stuff back up before you leave, all your dirty clothes in that bag, put it in your suitcase. So when you get home, all you gotta do is just dump that bag right in the washer. Easy peasy, ready to go. There you go. Madison's yeah. travel tips. Maybe each time we do a show and you're on the road, we get a tip from you. Well, that'll be a lot of tips because I'm always on the road. Um, that's interesting. Is that just for hotels or is that motels as well? I don't. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I just know all the hotels I stay in. They have the bags. So I went to New Jersey two did you weeks stay, ago. Did you stay right? in a motel? Went to a motel. Red roof Ooh. inn. Oh, red, hang on a second. Oh. A red, a red roof inn. Right. Yeah. Well, they didn't even have a closet. <laughs> I got good. to the room, looked around. Actually, it wasn't too bad. And I yeah. was like, hmm, let me check to see if they have that laundry bag that Madison told me about. Yeah. Well, step one, you got to find the closet. <laughs> There's no closet. How are they going to put the bag in there? That's what I'm saying. So they didn't have a bag. So I thought that was funny um, that you said that. Um, that's that's one of my favorite tips of all time. That's just one of the easiest ones. Um so moving on, we have a great interview tonight with Ahmad Ritas that we will catch in the second part of this episode. So stay tuned. We've got a short ad, and then we will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Tacoma Golf. Tacoma Golf brings the Scandinavian mindset to golf with quality and durability without compromising on style. Visit TacomaGolf.com and find the set for you today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two. We are joined with Ahmad Aridas, a Virginia Union golfer. Ahmad, how you doing? Great intro, Sterling. I'm good. I'm good. How you guys been? Doing well. Doing well. So, yeah, we just um, – thanks for joining us today, honestly. Um, so, we really just kind of wanted to, to touch base with you and just kind of see what it's like going through uh, a normal day as a, as a college golfer. So, really just kind of wanted to start with how did you even get into the game of golf? Yeah, so when I was young, like three, three and a half, somewhere around that area, and I was like actually at three, three and a half, something like that. Um, my mom was actually kind of like trying to figure out what I would actually like to do. 
try, you know, some kind of like activity to get me out the house on a consistent basis. And one day she actually put some plastic golf clubs in the Easter basket. And it was just, for me personally, it was just mesmerizing. I wouldn't stop hating it. All I wanted to do was just go outside, hit that little ball. And it just kind of, it just kind of transitioned to a love for golf some way, somehow. Then a little bit like soon after I got involved in this uh, institute called Hollywood Golf, which specializes in like the inner city youth um, trying to get kids and it's not just for minorities, but I guess the I guess somewhat the main goal is minorities. But long story short, definitely just trying to get the youth into the game in the, like in the city of Detroit. Uh, this lady named Talina Johnson, who who owns the uh, who owns the company, is her institute. Everything that Hollywood Golf does is all her. And uh, yeah, so I joined her, and she's uh, she kind of cultivated my love for golf. I mean, she she brought golf into my uh, my life in more ways than one so it's kind of how everything got started here i am that's awesome that's a good story um <clears throat> at what point did you know like i have the game to play in college like what was that what was that moment uh i guess you kind of i wouldn't necessarily say i just kind of knew that i had the game to play in college i like as i like played junior tournaments and noticing i was i started winning quite a bit of them especially kind of like around my area and then started playing like a lot of better competition and started noticing like, Hey, I'm beating a lot of the people who apparently are supposed to be really, really good. And I saw like college coaches coming up to them and I, and I just saw, and I just literally like beat them in tournaments. So I kind of, at that point, I guess I just, I didn't really worry about it. I knew that eventually I was going to end up playing college golf somewhere. Plus it was always my dream to play college golf somewhere and then hopefully take it to a professional level. But I guess around that, if you want an answer, probably around the 14-ish, 13-ish area. I mean, high school matches, I was kind of averaging like around two or three under par. Wow. So we were playing like nine holes, and we are just playing like golf courses, honestly, at that point I've seen a lot. So two, three under each round. I, I knew I was going to be there someday. So how do you – I mean, I know when, when kind of selecting a school, there's a lot that goes into it, but how did, how did you kind of land at, at Virginia Union and, and really make that decision to, to kind of make that your home? Uh, so when it came to, like, recruiting, um, golf is not – rather, it wasn't as big in Detroit as it is now. So I kind of didn't really have much guidance. Um, I wouldn't have known exactly, like, okay, how do I start, like, my recruiting plan, who do I reach out to? How do I reach out to them? Like, I like, I would never have known, okay, at this age, start sending scores to coaches. So that way they know I exist. And then on top of that, so that way they can continuously track my tournament rounds over a prolonged period of time. So that way, you know, when it was legal for coaches to approach me, et cetera, then, you know, maybe it would have been a lot smoother, but, um, Actually, so I have a teammate named Trayvon Willis who plays here as well. And we played in a junior tournament called Bill Dickey, which kind of invited the, like the best junior, like minority junior golfers from the country to like play once a year. Uh, they had a different event, like different venues at the time when I played it, it was in uh, West Palm Beach. So we met each other there and I was just getting, I was getting out of community college and I needed somewhere to play. 
And uh, I reached out to him and I knew I wanted to play for an HBCU. So we reached out to Trayvon. Trayvon reached out to the coach. The coach got in contact with me. I went on a visit and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So I kind of just ended up here. You know, maybe it was uh, some kind of divinity choice in there. Who knows the world? I just kind of just ended up here. So, but I definitely don't regret it. That's for sure. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what year are you in school? So I'm a first year grad student. Okay, I got you. So you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, yeah, I've been here for about two and a half years now. So I mean, obviously my uh, my junior year got cut short because of COVID. So played half a season, got that year back. Played my full senior season or my full senior year last year. This is the COVID year. So after this, I think I'm done. Got you. Yeah. So what does a typical, you know, end season week look like for you? <clears throat> uh, typical end season week. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different from, uh, from undergrad to graduate. So grad school, so I only have class like two days a week that lasts about three or four hours or something like that, oh, not four hours. So really it's wake up breakfast at like 7.30, cardio for a little bit, work out a little bit. And then I walk to uh, first tier Greater Richmond, which is like 20 minutes, like 20 minutes from campus. Um, start with putting, putt for about an hour and a half, work on, uh, work on my stroke, work on start line, uh, hit balls for about an hour and a half, hour. I don't, me personally, I don't really like hitting too many balls, but I make sure I kind of just drill the whole time. So I found that kind of like drills just kind of make the biggest difference in the golf swing. Um, and then I'll just kind of just do short game for probably like another hour, hour and a half. And then I'll go play the short course, come back um, and just probably relax until the next day and just repeat it again, honestly. I mean, sounds probably, pretty jam-packed. Yeah, that's kind of like typical. Um, then probably get the chance to play maybe two or three times out the week. So I kind of got to select those days that I do do it. And then depending on how I play, if I want to kind of work on something else after, after I get off the course, I'll probably just walk back to the practice facility and just kind of sharpen up whatever I just found was like not so like satisfactory. Mm -hmm. So being in the city, like what course do you guys play? <laughs> So we play Lakeside Park Club. It's a private course in, I think it was Henrico County. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not from here, so I don't really know the counties too well. Yeah, but no, no, you're right. Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's definitely a treat getting the chance to play there consistently because I've I've seen some of the, uh, the other courses around, and there's not really any courses in the city of Richmond, so it's a – it's a it's it's a nice privilege to get to have that at a disposal. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Lakeside. I think we talked about that a little bit on the podcast before. Yeah, those greens would tear you up. So, um, I mean, gotta imagine you've played some some pretty decent courses um, through tournament golf, through college, mm -hmm. and and everything like that. Do you have a favorite or like you know a state that you've played in that just seems to have really great golf courses? Yeah, yeah. So. Um... I would definitely say this year we definitely had the best schedule that I think Virginia Union's ever had. So those first three tournaments, 
Bowls of Honor, um, SAS Championship, HBCU Invitational, and then we played uh, River City, which um, took place at Belmont and then the River Course over CCV. But, I mean, call me biased, but I think the Michigan event was probably my favorite because, like, okay, I'm from Michigan, but I'm sorry, it is what it is. That that course was just outrageously pure. It was it's something that's really really unique to the state, and I've never personally seen in the state of Michigan before the way the uh, the way Jack Nicholas kind of just went on and just redesigned that golf course. It's it's something special, and it's like the layout is as good as you can think of. It has a fair share of risk reward holes, a fair share of conservative like holes you got to play conservative. You have tighten some spots, open in others, but those greens will wear you out. But it's, uh, it was, that was probably my favorite course. It's called American Dunes. And some, it's a military, like it's a military tribute course. So it consistently honors like the armed forces, the military, um, fallen veterans. And like that, to me personally, that was a, that was a really big deal because my grandfather was in the service. So that was pretty cool. Any other like uh, like any other courses? I guess Dominion Club, because I mean I got my first college win there, so that's that'll forever be in my heart. Um, Blacksburg Country Club, that's oh. that's pretty cool being in the mountains. I, I just really, played really there nice. a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's a that's a really cool course. Really yeah. cool course. Oh yeah, it's it's nice and scenic in the morning time. It's it's a really really cool course. Yeah, I think um, the, the shared one in 10 T box that like really <laughs> elevated thing is just, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're a hundred, hundred feet above the fairway. It's, it's pretty cool. Definitely yeah. a great view for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's you're in the middle of nowhere though. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. That's where I am right now. So yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of, kind of being from, uh, I guess you said that you were from the Detroit area, correct? Yeah. Okay. So with, with kind of um, the tournaments and everything being, being kind of brought back to the area mm. really trying to revitalize the game of golf in, in Detroit. Um, have you seen, I mean, at least, you know, kind of going back home or anything, have you seen more interest in golf, more people playing golf or um, you know, I don't know that more golf courses have opened up, but do you see more people interested, I guess, in the game of golf than, than what you remember in the past? Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, I see so many more like younger guys, so many more kids, high school kids. It's golf is really, really, really booming back in Detroit. Um, not even just in Detroit, but in Michigan in general. And ever since they uh, brought the Rocket Mortgage to the uh, to the city, it's it's amazing like how big golf has literally just transitioned into the sport that's not very very popular amongst like the younger generation versus now i mean it's it's really not uncommon to see three or four high schoolers just like come out of nowhere and just be on like my home golf course and just playing like a normal like twilight around i never saw that like i mean i had to have been probably one of the maybe like one of say eight people like one of eight kids playing golf on a consistent basis now i mean it's really really not it do, it wouldn't surprise me anymore so i mean that and then it's become so it's become like a really big tourist destination michigan's always been a like a big tourist destination in general for golf but now it's becoming extremely apparent so that, that's really good 
Yeah, I was thinking of that. I mean, I know that was kind of the goal of of having the tournament and and making sure it was there and getting the title sponsors. So it's it's good to see that. Um, it's it's definitely it's definitely paying off. And I've I've been to Michigan a couple of times. I've never played golf there. Just kind of travel. Um, you know, through like Saginaw and the UP and everything like that. So I would love to get back, Sterling. You wanna <laughs> take a trip up there? We'll we'll hit up some courses for sure. Oh, definitely. Nice. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, Ahmad, my last question. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, you have one more semester left. What are your goals for the spring? Definitely get another college win because it's been since 2019 since that's happened. So that's that. Um, I would like to win CIAA Player of the Year, so I got to get my stroke average down a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if, as of right now, my stroke average can – potentially make me an all-american it depends i'm not that i actually have to ask my coach on i want to be an all-american that's probably my biggest goal but i'm not sure if it's 74 or 73 or lower for your stroke average and thanks to my second tournament that probably brought my average down a little bit but still i got to get a little clarification on that um that and i i mean i i guess the the biggest thing one of win a conference title with my team so i mean we're looking pretty pretty good right now so hopefully things pan out everybody seems like they have the heart everybody seems like they have the desires so at this point it's kind of like an execution thing just to go out and do it yeah definitely so i've got i guess maybe one or two um what what's next for you after after college what's what's next for you i guess you know, are you continuing on to in the in the game of golf, continuing trying to pursue that, or are you going to go in a different direction? Kind of want to play uh, one more year of uh, amateur golf after I get out of college. There's some uh, there's some events I didn't get the chance to play since being here. Um, some of like the uh, like the bigger uh, area golf tournaments around Detroit kind of happen, unfortunately, like a week or two after I leave for college every year. So that kind of that kind of you know didn't really help but want to play some of those um I've gotten some invitations in the past to play in some uh some some decent amateur golf events but I haven't been able to take advantage of them because I've been busy with school so those and uh kind of see where I stack up and I feel like if I can do well in those and the numbers kind of show it for themselves then I'm turning professional without a doubt yeah, that's that's awesome. I kind of figured you were going to say that. I mean, and you definitely seem like a, a pretty decent player. So, I mean, why not, right? I mean, there's plenty of avenues now. Um, I, it seems that the tour is trying to make it a little bit easier for for more people to to kind of get on and play. I'm sure it's not as easy. I think it is. But um, my last my last kind of question. Then we haven't done this before, Sterling. Um, but if you could, if you could write a letter to the game of golf, what would it say? Wow, that's a very good question. So if I could write a letter, wow, I guess I would say something like, dear golf, thank you for taking a kid from, I guess, quote unquote, the hood, but, um, and giving him an amazing opportunity to learn and grow throughout his life and teaching him the, uh, kind of the characteristics of being not only just being a good person, but a very personable person um, as well. And 
I guess helping, I guess helping that kid kind of grow throughout the life experiences that golf teaches you. Because I mean, it, you'd be amazed. You spend four hours in the golf course, four and a half hours in the golf course. You learn so much about someone, and I, and I guess that's really kind of like shaped my character quite a bit um, to be able to uphold myself in society in, in a very good way. So, I guess that. I mean, I guess that's kind of like a snippet of what I'd be able to say. But believe it or not, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm a writer. So I can go all day, so I don't really want to go too deep into it but i guess that's kind of like what it would say no that's awesome i mean that that we like i said we haven't done it before so i, I didn't know if it might throw you for a loop but i mean you, you nailed it i don't think uh if you had more time or anything like that it could have been any better so i definitely appreciate that yeah no problem well all right ahmad uh we, we appreciate the time um still waiting on the the match between us two maybe we can get uh madison and myself versus versus you and someone else can get a match going at Lakeside one of these days. But uh, we appreciate the time. If you want to go ahead and plug your uh, social media, you can. Definitely. No, I definitely will. And uh, I've known you for a while. Yeah, we have never played. I played with played with Chandler. I've known you longer. How have we not played yet? Yeah, you've been dodging me. I don't know. No, trust me. I've never dodged you. You go back to Michigan. We don't talk uh, to you for a whole six months. And... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, where am I, where am I going to stay here? I mean, I'm not going to stay here. (laughs) I kind of want to go home. Why would I want to stay here? It's a whole, no, summers in Michigan is a lot better. Just saying. All right. Well, then I'll come to Michigan next summer. Show me the, uh, let's book that trip. Yeah. Madison is the trip expert and we'll come see you. We'll come play that match. and People know what happened. Oh, please do. Oh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, I was thinking I had the advantage if I played you here, but I think you definitely have the advantage if we go to Michigan. So, um, oh, we, can play here. we can play here or Michigan. It doesn't matter to me. Why not both? See, now you're, now you're thinking outside the box. <laughs> I like that. Well, again, thank you for the time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll plug Ahmad's socials on our Instagram. Um, we've already done that before. Um, But again, thank you for taking the time, Ahmad, for talking with us. And thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll catch you all next week.